0: Cole Thompson of Sports Matt Radio joins the Locked On Texas podcast. Got to talk the draft and much more surrounding the Houston Texans. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what, it, that's what it'll be about.
1: You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube and also give us a follow on Twitter. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Texan Podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, including but not limited to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. I'm John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by none other than Cody Davis, Texan credential media member and sports illustrators on we have made it to Friday it is mm. officially April 1st and so you know what that mm. means now we can talk the NFL draft for the Houston Texans and I think more in an entire landscape not just limiting uh the draft talk to number two and number 12 with the quarterback you know looming This franchise right now. So in order to do that, Cody, Mm. we told y'all yesterday who we were bringing on (laughs) right now. He's waiting in the background. Let's go ahead without further ado. Cole Thompson at Mr. Cole on Twitter. So if you're listening via podcast, make sure you give him a follow. One of the great guys of Texan Twitter. But of course, he does more than that. College football is Mm. where he stands. He's been doing a lot of great work covering this team. Cole, man. Welcome to the Locked
1: on Texan podcast. I feel like this is a giant April Fool's joke that I get to be back on the live on <laughs> network. I love this, guys. How are doing, man? Listen, <laughs> doing
2: well, man. Doing well. Not, not too again. many people
0: are going to bring you in like how I did. You know? <laughs> no, I I mean, you to, listen.
1: If I, I get to, a hype man like John Hickman, I consider myself very lucky. And if I get I to hang to out with Cody Davis. i Steve
0: Harvey for that, man.
1: If I get to hang out with Cody <laughs> Davis outside of Texas media, I call that a win, too. So it's like a double win for me today. Oh,
0: my goodness, man. you know, your family of the Locked on Texan podcasting, you know, we really do appreciate all of the work that you do uh, passionately and professionally covering this team. But when we look at this team, if we can go dive right into it, because that's why they are here checking us out today. Number two, we can understand and just say that's going to be the quarterback position.
1: Right? No doubt. No doubt. When you hear – the one-on-one conversation with ESPN that came out earlier this week uh with D'Amico Ryans,
0: mm. he all
1: but said, it's quarterback. Like it's, <laughs> it's no longer a situation. It's okay. Who is Carolina taking? Who is trading up ahead of us and who are they taking and who's going to be on the board when we're at number two? It, 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 it's basically in my opinion, the two man race at this point between CJ Stroud of Ohio state and Bryce Young of Alabama. And to be honest, I think, I think both are fine options, and that's really why I think that Houston's in a very good spot. Yeah, you want to be able to control who you really like, but I don't think that the David Mulugeta situation where if C.J. Straub was on the mm. board, you're going to pass on it. I don't think cool. that David Mulugeta is going to tell his, his client, hey, don't come to Houston. We're going to make this work, and I think that Bryce Young, the size doesn't worry me. The weight is a little concerning, but... You know, over time, he's going to be able to get inside of an NFL film. I mean, an NFL weight room. He's going to be able to add on those pounds in the right proper spots of his body. And they did a good job opening up the offensive line by bringing over Shaq Mason, extending Larry Tunsil this offseason. Mm. They've got done a lot of offseason work with Kenyon Green to make sure he gets better with hand placement, better with footwork. So they're fully investing in their former first round pick. And if they find a way to bring over Titus Howard on an extension before or during the season... That's probably four guys that you will have for at least the next two to three years before you really have to worry about your offensive line outside the center. Which, again, that's a massive position because the last <laughs> thing you want to do is say, hey, Scott Questenberry, we, we can't start you. Well, what else do we have? Jimmy Morrissey. Crap. All right. Let's go. <laughs> this is a fool's joke, right? All right. So
0: when we look at number two, that's a foregone conclusion. It'll be quarterback. But Number 12 and number 33 really intrigued me so my question to you to open up today's show is just if houston does not decide to go wide receiver with those first three picks 2 12 and 33 uh which mid-round to late round uh makes sense for houston to bring in as their next wide receiver because we understand that that is a position of need still even with the offseason signings of robert woods um I'm missing one of the other. Brown. Noah Brown, Noah, Noah Brown, who had a, you know a development player in Dallas, had his career highs last year. A lot of people are still banking on Nico Collins to take another step, and I am as well. But wide right receiver is still a position to need. If they don't go first three round, first three picks, excuse me. Where and what player do you see Houston drafting later in the draft?
1: I'll give you four options. I'll go from the one that I think is the least likely to probably the most likely or the one that I would be very much sal- salivating over if I was a Texans fan and also a Texans uh, draft analyst or something like that. Uh, number four, I'll go with Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. This is a kid who is five foot 11. Doesn't have a lot of size, but nearly to Brandon Cooks. And he wins with speed. This is a guy that's four 40. When he was at Cincinnati the last few years, he had been a machine after the catch. I think he averaged about 16.6 yards per play. He finished with over 1,000 yards. He's got really good route running skills. He does a really nice job being able to stretch the field as well. So if you're looking for that playmaking type, the guy who can be your downfield presence, what they wanted a guy like Brandon Cooks to be this past year, but... Because of the pass rushing situations, because of the offensive line miscues and all these other little tidbits, I think that he'd be a nice complimentary piece, probably somewhere at that 73 pick range. If you trade down from pick number 12 and get an extra third round pick of something along those lines, maybe that's where you want him in the 80s, early 90s type range. He's a guy that I think could play the outside. He can play in the slot. He can do a little bit of everything. That's probably the speed option for you. Number three I would go with is probably A.T. Perry, the wide receiver from Wake Forest. This is a guy who I really like on film, but I've started to see him get mocked in the second round. I'm like, all right, let's pump our brakes for a second, people. Like, I get it. There's a lot to like about him. I think the main thing is he's versatile, very versatile receiver. This was a guy that last year had 11 total touchdowns. He averaged about 13 yards per catch. He had four touchdowns inside the slot, and four of those touchdowns, uh, three of those touchdowns came from inside the red zone. So this is a playmaker. This is a guy that when you're inside the 25 yard line, you want to target. You want to allow him to utilize his size, his footwork, his overall, uh, his overall cuts, and his quickness to be able to win at the point of the attack. I think that that size alone gives him a little bit more of an advantage. He's six foot three, weighs roughly around 200 pounds, got about 33 and a half inch arms. Good speed, too. 447 guy. So he can move. He can scoot. I think the biggest thing about him that you got to like is that he's tall. He may not be able to box you out, but he can win as a route runner. And that is a really big trait. I think a lot of people kind of like negate a little bit. They like that speed caliber aspect, they like that physicality caliber aspect. If you do the little things right, and the little things are crisp, clean routes, you will have a long career in the NFL. And maybe just come on special teams. It may be as a wide receiver five. It may be as a rotational type guy. But if you can do that, there's a role for you in the NFL. Number two for me is Tennessee's Cedric Tillman. Uh, everyone's talking about Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, okay, Jalen Hyatt's really cool dude. I, I love him. He's a Fred Blitnikoff award winner. Kicked Alabama's ass this past year. So that made me really sad. But you know what? Good for him. Cedric Tillman is the better receiver, in my opinion. And it's because of what he brings in all three phases of the game. I know, I know. Hear me out. Hear me out, John. Hear me out. <laughs> Number one, physicality. That is one thing that I look at his route running. I look at the way that he attacks when it comes to cornerbacks. He is physical. He is a guy that is willing to be an open field blocker downfield, which will benefit an offense like Bobby Slovak. So if you want to be a part of a San Francisco 49ers type team, you got to be able to block. That's why they brought in Noah Brown. That's why they brought in Robert Woods. They're willing blockers. They're willing to go ahead and be effective in the run. So he adds that. Number two, he was dominant in 2021 against two of the best defenses in college football. One was Alabama and one was Georgia. Uh, In both those games combined, he had about 13 catches, 233 yards. So we're talking about 13 to 14.5 yards per play. He also had two touchdowns. He also is physical after the point of the catch. So he is hard to bring down. This is a guy that's going to force you to miss in the open field, not just with good footwork, but really with that physical presence. And he bounces off a of linebacker gets right back up, spits in their face and goes, all right, let's go again. Like he is one of those type of guys that you look at, and he just provides that value. He comes from an NFL background. I believe if I'm not mistaken – his uncle is Charles peanut Tillman from the Chicago bears. So he's been playing in that system. Like he has been grown up in this likes since he was a kid. And he also has done it against the highest level competition. The other thing that I really like about his game that I think a lot of people are forgetting about more so than than what you really are are thinking of. He's done a really nice job catching through the traffic. So you'll see him manipulate a safety and a cornerback come down and he'll be able to bring in the ball through a tight window When you have a rookie wide receiver, they're going to make some errant throws. That's one thing that I think he brings to the table that really a lot of these other receivers that you really like, but I think that there's tremendous value there. And he's going to force competition. He's going to force Nico Collins to get better because they both are an X-type receiver. He's going to force Robert Woods to have to play up to a standard. And same with Noah Brown. So that physical presence alone makes him a viable asset, I think, right around this range of 65 to 73. But the number one guy, and if anybody follows me on Twitter, at Mr. Cole Thompson, you probably know who this is. It is Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Uh, This is, in my opinion, the Brandon Cook's replacement. This is your, what's the best way to put this without coming off as condescending or kind of a-hole to people? Um, This is your Kirkland brand, Jordan Addison, but better than Kirkland brand, Jordan Addison. Because of everything that we saw from him, if you go back and watch his film in 2020, and really 2021 – the player that did not benefit and actually took steps back this year because of the Caleb Williams uh, transfer was Marvin Mims. Last season, we could have been talking about him as a Volitnikoff Award winner. We could have been talking about him about a, about a, uh, you know, a first-round wide receiver, especially in this class. He is a guy that takes the tops off of defenses. He wins with route running. He wins with the ability to track the ball extremely well down the field. I love the fact that he can play inside and out. He's taken a majority of his reps on the outside, but he's also worked inside. So he's a multi dynamic type receiver. The other thing is that he plays bigger than he is. He comes in at 183, but he plays like he's about 200 pounds. Blazing speed, 438. Uh, very good vertical for a 5 foot uh, 11 kid at 39 and a half inches. Good three cone drill at 6.9 lots and lots to like about the way that he goes through his strides, the way that he's able to build up speed, the way that he's changed direction. He's a mismatch and those things. And he is a lot like the sense of what you're seeing in Cedric Tillman, smooth operator in the open field. If you allow him just to go ahead and get space, he is going to find a way to beat you. He is going to find a way to make you win. uh, He's going to find a way to make you miss. And the thing that I really love about him is that every year you see that production, you see the way that he's able to get yards after the catch in a class to where, I don't think that there's a bona fide number two through number six receiver and all are near each other. It's better to go ahead and get a guy that maybe you think has more upside, but you want it to pay as much and could be an immediate starter to where you address other needs early on in the draft. And I think that a guy like Marvin Min does that for you. And if you got to trade up into the end of round two to go get him, I think it's worth it. I mean, this is a guy that honestly has been a phenomenal receiver in the big 12. He's a thousand yard type guy. I love his tape. I love everything about him. I think that there's a lot of value for this guy. And I think that what you're getting in bang for Buck is why you go ahead and take him over someone at pick number 12.
2: Mm -hmm. Cole, um, I want to ask you this because I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, How would you compare and contrast the differences between CJ and Bryce?
1: (sighs) Bryce's pocket awareness in my opinion, is already near elite at the NFL level. I've talked Mm. to some scouts around the league and they've said that if he were to play in the NFL right now, the pocket awareness and the ability to feel the pressure would not face him. He would be a guy that would immediately come in, be able to handle the hits, He'd be able to handle, you know, feeling the pocket collapse against him. And he'd be able to step up and make the right play where a guy like CJ Stroud has good pocket awareness, but he doesn't maybe have that same off script mentality. So those Mm. are some things you look at Now, that's not an insult to anything that you see from C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is a phenomenal type of playmaker, and I think that the game against Utah, which no one seems to talk about, a game where he had to lead three different drives in comeback form, shows that he can handle pressure number one, and also he can be a very phenomenal playmaker, especially when you're looking at him inside the pocket. And then the Georgia game. The Georgia game is probably the one mm-hmm. where everyone's talking about his vision, his awareness, his ability to scramble. Those are things that you look at, but it's not at the same level as a Bryce Young. And another thing with Bryce where I think a lot of people kind of get this construed constr- 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 is they work- look at the size and they say, oh, well, he can't go ahead and handle a 250-pound pass rusher. Maybe so. I mean, there's definitely going to be that wince moment for you where you have to close your eyes when he takes that first hit. But if you go back and look at the Week 2 game against Texas, they sent Ryan Watts on a blitz, and he had him in the backfield. And Bryce threw him off. And then ran upfield for 20 yards to go get that first down. And that ultimately led to Alabama winning the game. So he's got a good focal ground. He's got good footwork to where he can plant. He can stay upright. And I think that he can go ahead and withstand those type of hits. CJ's got a better arm in terms of what I think with velocity. I think Bryce has a better arm when it comes to consistency across the middle of the field. The other thing that I think really is going to separate these two is... The production never dwindled for Bryce, and that's a really big deal when you look at what Bryce's game is all about.
0: But, but I was I would argue that the production didn't dwindle for CJ.
1: Right, but let me explain. So, Jamison Williams and John Metchie no longer no longer on the team. They're out, so they're gone. Um, you also lose Evan Neal and you lose two other offensive linemen. So they're gone. Mm. So you lose these players. Your, your number one receiver is at times your running back and Jameer Gibbs. And if it's not him, it's Cameron Lautu, who is a flex tight end. And he still is able to have these type of consistent games where he literally is carrying Alabama against Tennessee, where Tennessee should have won by 21 points if they don't have number nine in their backfield. He's carrying them against LSU, where LSU should have won that game by at least 15 points, but they had number nine in the backfield. And he wins the game against Texas, where Texas, when they start off with Quinn Ewers, and I'm not trying to make this up, John, I know you have a Texas <laughs> team, not, I swear, but you watch that game, there's no reason Alabama should win. And the reason they do is because of a guy like Bryce, where this is not a knock on CJ at all, because if I love CJ's tape, I think CJ would be fine without these guys, but you do have Marvin Harrison Jr. You do have Smith Minjigba. You do have Chris Olave, You do have uh, Garrett Wilson. You have Emmy Akeba, who people seem to forget about, because if he was another freaking stud wide receiver, why don't we just throw that into the mix as well? Good tight end play from Jeremy Ruckert last year, who was a good, reliable option in the red zone. You have Cade Stover, the tight end. And the run game's fine. I can say that the more so when you look at the offensive personnel when they were running the football, there was a lot of concerns with both Daywan Jones, the right tackle, and Paris Johnson in run blocking to where they kind of negated away from that in games that were really close because they were trying to move the sticks. But when you have that same production, do you always have that question? Do you wonder if it's the receivers are helping you out? Are you wondering that? Are you with that rapport with the receivers is able to benefit you? Where Bryce, you see on film, no more Jamison Williams, no more John Mechie, no more left tackle on Evan Neal. And what are we talking about? A, a drop in terms of completion percentage by 2%, a drop in passer rating by 0.3%. I, I mean, the numbers are still there and maybe they're not Heisman caliber anymore, but they still are reasons why Alabama was productive. He he, he made other receivers better like Treshawn Holden and Jermaine Burton and these playmakers that really would be threes and fours on any other roster, but yet they were ones and twos in Alabama. And you usually don't see that, that in Alabama.
0: Bill Barr is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar covered in 100% Real chocolate. You can find them at your local Walmart or your local Sam's Club right now. If you don't want to hop in your car and drive, and if you're one of those modern shoppers, make sure you check out Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your next order. Also, check out the website to participate in the Built March Madness. You can participate and have fun with that at BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote on your favorite bill Bar on the market
2: welcome back in ladies and gentlemen to this friday installment of locked on texans and we're we going to continue our conversation with cole thompson cole um, what are you hearing about the draft stock of Jalen Carter? We all know everything that's been going on with him off the field, very serious, and it seems like after that, um, it just seems like his stock really started falling. Um, before we started recording, we got word that the Las Vegas Raiders was the first team to take him off the jackboard. So what are you hearing about that?
1: It's really interesting because of – I think the pro day was a very negative thing for him, and it really. So bad. But like, Mm. the reason so so bad. bad. It was bad because of also he made a dumb mistake in terms of taking your shirt off. Like you thought this was going to be an awesome flex. Like no, dude, you 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 should probably leave that on. Nobody wants to see the way that you've gained nine pounds and really see where the weight's hanging. So that's Mm. dramatically bad because of it's a mad look for that. It's a bad look when it comes to the numbers. It looked like he was kind of going anemic. But James Lippert, the director of scouting for the Texans, said when we spoke to him earlier this month that you have to trust what you see on the film as much as what you see on the pro day. And sometimes it's better to go back and watch the film than it is the pro day. If he goes to the right organization, one with culture, one with rich history, one with a very stable organization in terms of a GM, in terms of a head coach, in terms of a defense coordinator – I think that there's a lot of potential for him. I I, I circle every single time on my mock board the Detroit Lions because of I think Ooh, Dan I think, Campbell. Because Dan Campbell does not Dan Campbell comes from the Sean Payton tree. Sean Payton does not put up with anything. Sean Payton will send you packing as soon as he can. He also has a guy in Aaron Glenn who comes from the same type of coaching tree. And Aaron Glenn. Is a guy that is very much involved in players' lives. He's always trying to go ahead and get the best out of players. He's always trying to go ahead and be a part of what they believe, uh, be a part of their overall situations. He's checking in with them. So, for a guy like Jalen Carter, who, you know, whether or not you consider what happened in the likes of January as off field concerns, there could be multiple more that we don't know about. You would have a defensive coordinator who really would want to be by your side, want to back you, want to have your support. And then you have a GM that knows what it takes to win. And Brad Holmes, who comes from the less need coaching, tr- I mean, less need executive tree in Los Angeles. And he understands that sometimes you have to bring in these talents to take these risks and the risk will be worth the reward. But a team like Las Vegas, I get where you're coming from like that. Like that's a team that doesn't shock me if they, they take him off the board. Because are we even sure that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels is going to be there next year? So like those are things I looked at.
0: I, you know, Dan Campbell did say something interesting, that, you know, when he was uh, asked about. Uh, Jalen Carter, and he said that he heard some things that was very interesting, and I believe the reporter asked, could they kind of could he kind of uh, elaborate on it, and he just kept it as interesting. So, I think that would be a good challenge for Dan Campbell. Like, you know, getting the Lions to where they were last year, potentially almost, in, you know, almost in the playoff spot, um, and then ruining the Packers chances. But I, I, I gained some respect for Dan Campbell, and I do look at Dan Campbell as a guy that he could possibly get the Detroit Lions back to the playoffs and as a better organization than, uh, you know, leave him as a better organization than when he first found him and came in. But if he's at 12, you know, mm-hmm. D.C. with Ryan, D'Amico Ryans and you look at Nick Casario, but not necessarily the more stable organization. If he's at 12, does Houston take a shot on him?
1: I think you got to look at the whole board in general. That's going to be the main thing because if there's another player that you really like that you feel a little bit more comfortable with, maybe they go ahead and pass on him. Those are things that, you know, are going to be very internal conversations from a talent standpoint, you will not find a better player at pick number 12. Uh, From what I've gathered, I would be very shocked if he's not selected by no later than number nine with Chicago bears. So Mm. if he's available at nine, there's going to be that awkward conversation. Do we want to add an offensive tackle to build around a guy like Justin Fields? Because our offensive line was cardboard duty last year. There's no way to put it. We had more tolls in it than Swiss cheese. They did bring in Nate Davis. I like that. Braxton Jones was a really nice find as a fifth-round pick. But fifth-round picks, you can always move him to the right side if you want to. Cody White here is starting to regress a little bit. Uh, you do need to figure out what you want to do with Tevin Jenkins. Is he going to right tackle? Is he a, left, is he a right guard? Where does he kind of fit? Or do you want to go ahead and bolster up your defensive front for a Matt Eberflew style of defense where you've already done enough this offseason by showing some moves by bringing in a DeMarcus Walker, who had a career year last year in sacks with Tennessee, uh, getting a guy like TJ Edwards, who is a homegrown mm. talent, but also is a very good linebacker to pair opposite of a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. I didn't like how much they paid Tremaine Edmonds, but I do like Tremaine Edmonds in this style of defense. So that's a conversation that you, that you can have. I don't know if Jalen Carter is going to be there. If he's there from a talent perspective, Jalen Carter is probably the second best player in this year's draft. And if he's not the second, I would say he's the third. And it only comes behind the two Alabama people. And it would probably (laughs) be at Willie Anderson, who, in my opinion, kind of above everybody else, that is the top of the talent in every single way possible. And then probably Bryce Young. So even then, what you're having is still the third best player on your board. And you're walking away with number two and number three. Or number two and number three, where you get the number two Mm. player in the draft, at pick number 12. And the number three player in the draft, at pick number two. So it all comes down to long-term fit. It comes down to what we don't know and what likely none of us will ever know based off of unless we're in a scouting building and we're hearing all the notes that people are telling us to where do you feel comfortable with him being a part of an organization as a building block. Because unlike a team like the like the Detroit Lions, and this is probably why I kind of lean Detroit for a guy like Jalen Carter, they did a lot this offseason in terms of where they can kind of just play the board and throw darts and say, cool, that guy's available, let's go ahead and take him. Because they don't need to take a cornerback and pick number six anymore because they added in Cam Sutton, they added in Emmanuel Mosley, they added in C.J. Gardner johnson who can play everywhere, they still have Tracy Walker at safety. They still have Jeff Okuda on the team to where if they really like a pass rusher, like a Tyree Wilson, they're going to take him at pick number six. If they really want to bolster up their defensive line, a Jalen Carter at pick number six can work because you also have pick number 18 where you can still get a guy like maybe a Jory Porter Jr. or a Deontay Banks at a Maryland if you want to continue to build up your defensive backfield, or you can wait till day two and you have two second round picks. And that's the other thing is that they have so much draft capital inside the top 40, I mean, top fifty five that you can kind of just take a flyer on one of them. And if it ends up working out, that's fine. Because of also you did enough last year to kind of put yourself, maybe not the driver's seat of the NFC North, but definitely right up to the driver's seat. Where Houston, I love the moves that they made this offseason. I gave them an A- minus for terms of free agency. They actually added in B to B-plus type talent instead of the C-minus C-type players that have come through the boat in the last few years. But you still are an organization that needs to find your foundational building blocks. You still right. need to find your cornerstone pieces. And right now I would say that Jalen Peach is probably one. Derek Stingley is probably another. Damian Pierce is probably a third. I would then go Laramie Tunsil because you got him signed to a long-term deal. And, and then who else is left? I, I mean, like Christian Harris, I, I hope that he pans out, but there's still a lot of untapped potential for him. And now he's getting a linebacker himself to now teach him a little bit. I think there's questions with Kenyon Green and very valid questions with Kenyon Green because of how he played last year, especially in pass pro. I think there's questions with John Mechie, whether or not that's fair, but we have no idea what John Mechie is. So you have to take John Mechie with a grain of salt. I am not saying that John Mechie is not going to be a productive player because we have no idea what John Mechie is going to do. So you can't really put him in that category as well. And then you have to hope that the players that you're adding in, whether it be at pick number 33, whether you trade up from 33, back into the first round, pick number 12, you trade down for pick number 12, pick number two, you want them to be foundational pieces just like you had last year. If you don't think that Jalen Carter is going to be that guy, it sucks because the talent is there, but you can't risk it, especially with Nick Casario, who's only had 11 wins in the last three years.
0: What would be your wow Houston really did that moment for the for the upcoming NFL draft?
1: I'll give you three, and I'll give you one for each time. So it's at pick number 12. That's it. They go to mm. pick number 12, and they give up a first-round pick next year because Will Anderson falls outside the top five, and they go take him at pick number six. That's the wow moment. They're willing to go ahead and bet on the future of the organization with the draft capital because of a guy that they believe can be a difference maker at a premier position you go ahead and you go up and you move to go get him. And if that costs you a first-round pick next year, whether that be your first-round pick, whether that be Cleveland's first-round pick, you give him a second-round pick at some point, you go get yourself a bona fide pass rusher for this defense for D'Amico Ryans. That's a wild moment to move up. To stay at number 12, I think Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback from Penn State, is a guy that if you pair opposite wow. of Derek Stingley, Wow. You got to realize, Stephen Nelson's in the last year of his contract, and he's 30 years old. And I like that you have Jimmy Ward at one safety spot, and I love that you have uh, Jalen Petrie at the other. You have Tavier Thomas in the slot, and you also have Desmond King. But Desmond King's in a contract year. You have uh, Stephen Nelson in a contract year. And in today's NFL, if you have two bona fide cornerbacks, both of which can be number ones and play physical, and that's exactly the type of game that you're going to get from Joey Porter Jr., who's a big press man guy. He's able to put his hands on you. Win at the point of the attack, maybe not getting a lot of interceptions, but a lot of pass breakups. And you're saying go ahead and cover the number two receiver. Cause we got Derek Stingley locked down at the number one receiver. That's a way to where if you don't have a great pass rush, you give your pass rushers time by making sure the coverage deep downfield. is just so star spangled spotless that there's no shot of your, uh, your quarterback being able to attack. And then number three, you trade down, you get an extra second round pick or an extra third round pick. And you just take the position that you need the most, and that's John Michael Schmitz, the offensive lineman from Minnesota in the first round, because if there's buzz around him, that there's potentially him garnering praise in the mid 20s, and you need a center. Like, you need a center. You have to find a way to fortify that into your offensive line. So, if you can get that guy to where you get an extra second round pick, now you have two twos, two threes, you like the pass rushers that potentially are available, like a Felix Anduki Uzama from Kansas State, uh, I um, a Keon White from Georgia Tech. You take one of them there, you get a wide receiver like a Marvin Mims or potentially a, uh, a Jalen Hyatt if he falls into the middle of round two or potentially a Cedric Tillman. And then you find a way to go ahead and add in those other pieces around that in rounds three, like a Deleon Henley, a Washington State linebacker. Uh, potentially you bring in another safety like a Sydney Brown if you want to to back up a guy like uh, Jimmy Ward for a year. That would be a wow moment, but the wow moments sometimes aren't bad. Like Tyler Linderbaum was a top five player last year on my big board, and he fell all the way to 25 when he was an all-pro rookie center. Like that's like a wow moment, and you need to address that need. So if you trade down and you just like, we don't have a center and we have a rookie quarterback to where they're going to be going up against Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner every single rep, we got to get the best guy available. That's a wow moment, but it's a wow moment that is wow because maybe you feel like you overdrafted. But two or three years from now, it may look like a steal.
0: Thank you, guys. for Listen, thank you, guys, for (laughs) sticking around for Cole Thompson, Sports Mat Radio. Before we move on, Cole, where can our listeners uh, and viewers find your work uh, and find you on Twitter?
1: You can always go ahead and check me out at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can download the Just Saying It podcast version of the show uh, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom. And if you want to and you're up at the late, late hours of the night, you can <laughs> check in uh, 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. I'm on every single ESPN affiliate that does not have local programming during that slide.
0: The NCAA tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now FanDuel is giving customers, new customers, a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 they're printing money and giving it away, Cody. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. And if your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line the point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net all on a safe, Secure and easy, super easy app to use. Excuse me. Don't miss your shot at the no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. When you join FanDuel today, just go to fanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Thanks for making the Locked On Texas your first listen every day. Make your second listen, locked on NFL Scouting with the draft dudes from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find locked on NFL scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode. Cole was fun, man. I like the Wilds.
2: Always, he's always fun, man. I love the Wilds, <laughs> and if
0: and if I w- I want to close out. By looking at the wilds. And if I would say, if any one of those wilds, I would say, you know what? Go ahead and do it by any chance, any chance, if Houston is able to trade up for Will Anderson and get your quarterback, you get your pass rusher for a defense where a you know a pass rusher is needed. I think that'll be a huge win for Houston. Uh, and, and, and and that would be something where it would be a wild moment that down the line, you will say to yourself, wow, I'm glad they did it because now we have a winning organization. Yeah. The, the one thing that intrigued me the most about what Cole
2: had to say is this whole Jalen Carter situation. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot as of late, but, you know, he said that the Detroit Lions. You know, it seemed like they could be targeting Carter, but they have the number six pick. John, when I when I take a look at the teams that's after that, I, look, I don't think it's realistic. But I would like to know and see if Carter is at number twelve. Does Nick Asirio and D'Amico Ryan's take that chance? Cause once again, like Cole said, you're looking at what the third best prospect in in the draft, no lower than third. Now nah, I get it. There's all the field issues going on, and you know, like Cole mentioned, and of course, everybody already knew his pro day was terrible. Uh, but like Jalen Carter at number twelve,
0: <laughs> like this this draft,
2: like the I think the, was most- the Joey
0: Porter. Wow, moment was I also I thought that was like wow because yeah. you would have potentially two lockdown corners for the next what four seasons, four to five years, man, yeah. and and and, and hey. boy, you could do some things with that. I'm looking forward to what the Houston Texans can do in the draft. I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait to talk more draft coverage uh, for the Houston Texans, and I will start putting out my own mock drafts hmm. later today. Thank you guys for checking us out on this Friday episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texas. Also, subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page as well.
2: And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Enjoy your weekend.